When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of House of League. The first one, actually, we've done for a while. Uh, apologies for everyone who... I have had loads of people, unbelievably, lads. I've had loads of people asking me, uh, where's House of League? Because we've not done one for a few weeks. Here's, here's the truth. The week leading into the England game, I was off. Now, did get a guest lined up. I was going to go over to Hull to meet said person. I won't throw them under a bus. And... Uh, then they just went cold turkey on me. So that didn't happen. And then last week, we fully intended to do one, uh, like a recruitment special with being made the first. But there were that much going on on the recruitment market. We just never got around to doing it. It's just, it's been a manic start uh, to the transfer window. We're going to get into that now as, as well as, as everything else. Let me introduce us. We've made the, the usual group. I'm sorry to everyone who was hoping for someone different. You're just gonna have to get used to us all now. I think we're, we're set. We're set on the lineup. We've got a regular. We've got a regular quartet. Uh, so alongside me, I've got a much happier Hull FC reporter at the minute, Dan Tomlinson, uh, Joe Appleyard, our Hull camera, who's always happy at the minute, and another man who you know all too well, who both teams in the city are winning. So I'm assuming he's happy as well. Is Paul Cook, gentlemen? Welcome all. How are we all doing? Yeah, really well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's good to see both teams winning in our city, isn't it? And, uh, and I think Dan's had a really tough time of it, hasn't he, in, in 2023, so must be pleased. Dan, grand final back on. After round one, Dan thought grand final was on. Then he won two, sure. Now they've beat Wigan, so, you know, maybe. Tongue-in-cheek, tongue-in-cheek. I think I have to keep mentioning that every time, every time you bring it up. But yeah, you know, they beat Wigan on Thursday, didn't they? So you might as well just book that room and get breakfast included as well. And Joe, Joe's been adamant for since round one that OK are making a grand final. So he's I've not going to be tickets for Wembley, Old Trafford, and when they play Penrith or Sydney Roosters in the World Club Challenge next year. Uh, I tell you what, let, let's start on the whole clubs because uh, it seems relevant because uh, mm. they also seem to be the busiest in terms of, of recruitment as well. Um, if we go, so if we go back to last Thursday, uh, Wigan beat Hull FC. Um, Cookie, I'll come to you first on this. I mean, personally, I, I didn't give him a prayer. I mean, no one did, if we're honest, because um, the, the media tipping competition, there was 89 tips and not one person tipped Hull. Hull won, um, so they clearly shocked everyone. But what a win that was, and, and the manner of it as well, wasn't it, that was impressive? 
Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Um, I was one of them eighty nine, and I, and I'll say this, and 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 I aren't fibbing about it. I was all I almost picked them. I I, I just think that the beginning that there's some there's some green shoots there now, where where Tony's implemented what he wants to implement. Uh, he's got the players on board, and and I thought they looked much better the week before, and then they've carried it into uh, Wigan, fourteen nil, and then the heavens open up and. Uh, 14, 14 4 at the break or 14 6, and then yeah, I just thought there was outstanding and really gritty, and you know, in, in a very similar way to there was the week before against Huddersfield. Um, you know, I'm really pleased for, for Dan and, and the black and white faithful, um, for Tony, for the players because it's been a tough old year, hasn't it? Dan, they, they grew, they grew a pair for the want of a better phrase, didn't they? I mean, they. <laughs> We, we've all talked about them not being able to handle adversity and, you know, caving in under the slightest form of pressure. Well, admittedly, a lot of the pressure was self-inflicted, but they soaked it all up and they got the job done. I, I, I If they were going to beat Wigan, I never thought they would do it in the manner in which they did, which for me was the biggest positive of the whole thing. 100%. You know, everyone, when they talk about all the mentioned things like soft underbelly and, you know, defensively weak and not all the races and... But there weren't those things, were they? They started at Uddersfield, they were tough. You know, Uddersfield worked great, great that day, don't get me wrong. But all, all were good. They were tough. They were they, they ground it out. And it's it was not fashionable. It wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. They did the same thing against Wigan as well. And it's it's all those little rugby league fundamentals that you want to base your performance off. You know, effort, desire, grit, determination, energy. They were all there to see, especially in that first half. I think it's also important to mention all were good with the ball as well in that first half. You know, the two players for Cliff, by Clifford for the two tries were, were out the top drawer. It's a shame that it did, you know, start tipping it down at half time because you don't know what was what would have unfolded in the second half. But yeah, it was nice to see those elements of FC come out as well. But I think it's important to to emphasise straight away now, and it, and it is very cliche, but two games. You know, Hull won the first two games of this season, didn't they? And then lost the next seven. So. They know this. I mean, Liam Sutcliffe said this in press. It was great. Danny Allen said the same things after the Uddersfield win. It it means nothing. You know, what, what did Cookie say in his column for the Mail this morning? All won 17 out of 18 games in 2006 and didn't win the big prize. So they won't be getting carried away with two wins. There's no doubt about that. I think the, I think the difference this time, though. So I, I was sat with you when they beat Leeds round two. And as, uh, as any fan will... Um, or anyone associated with the club will, you can get a little bit carried away when you've won first two and think, oh, this is going well. And Guy said to you straight away, that were two very poor teams. Uh, I didn't come away from that thinking that all were, were going to do anything. Uh, and lo and behold, they lost those games. They scraped past Cass after that mental end to the game as well. I think the difference is, I've been watched, I've seen a decent chunk of the Huddersfield win and saw all the Wigan win. They were performance levels that were way beyond what what they had to produce to win those first two games of the season. So I know when you're down at the bottom, you're looking at the results and, and you know, looking uh, over your shoulder. But I, I kind of look at the performances and I thought they were, you know, way, way, way better than, certainly against Wigan, they have been all season. Yeah, that's fair. And it was little things in it. It's obviously being tough in contact, getting people on the back, slowing that ruck down, which is, something every player and every member of coaching staff has spoke about throughout this season. You know, the concentration levels were good. They didn't, they didn't drop off. They weren't sloppy. 
obviously the errors happen in the second half and that's that's inevitable with the conditions but generally speaking the last two games have completed well they've kicked well they've turned the ball over and good areas of the field. I think the first two sets in the game on Thursday, they pinned Wigan straight away in the corner. You had Clifford bombing and then Litton chasing like a maniac and tackling Bevan French before he had a chance to even you know catch the ball and breathe. So, you know, those those are good things. Those are good signs. And that's obviously the effort and the energy, that's what needs to keep going forward now because you get that. It's your basis of your performance, isn't it? It's, it, it, it look at Rovers right now, everything they do is off hard work. You know, everything, everything St. Helens has done for the last four years has been off hard work. And, and grit and determination. So if you yeah, folk can keep keep those elements going forward, then they will improve. But this is the problem with Leslie because yeah, those two performances have been absolutely brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but you never know what you're going to get the weeks after, and that, that's been all the problem. They can take one step forward and take two steps back. And I won't say there's apprehension right now, but there's no there's no head in the clouds or anything daft like that. You know, Hull go to Wakefield on Thursday, and that's a huge test. You know, what's the professionalism going to be like going there? What's the mentality going to be like? You know, Wakey haven't won a game yet. They've lost all 11. That's a huge test for me, that. Well, it's really important It's really important to go to Wakefield, isn't it? And, and, and improve off the back of two performances. And it's a different pressure, Dan, isn't it? It's a different pressure going to Wakefield because they're going there expectant to win. And I think if, if you go through that media tipping comp that we're all in, I don't think there'll be anybody that will tip Wakefield this week to beat Hull FC. And it's, it's, it's not so much... But for the players to turn up, it's easy to turn up against the Huddersfield team that have got a really strong um, group of players and, and, and whichever team they put out, they're really strong. Uh, and to play against the league leaders at home, where you've not been given a hope and a prayer by anybody, it's easy to turn up. These are, these are when you find out, for me, who the real players are, who the big players are, because it's OK doing it at home against Wigan on a Thursday night on Sky, but going away to Wakefield where the, the stands aren't built, where the, there's not many within the stadium, where the pitch has been an issue all year and they haven't won a game, this is where you're going to find out who the real players are at LFC for me because they've got to turn up and win this game. And if they don't turn up and win this game, they're then labelled with that tag the first team that allowed Wakefield to win a game in 2023. But also, yeah, absolutely. But then people will be saying, oh, nothing's really changed. The old habits are still there because they're diehard and... And and I'll and I'll get that if that's what happens on Thursday. If all lose that game, they're going to get some criticism. But it'd be interesting to see how they handle it as being the favourites for the first time in several weeks. I don't think I can't remember the last time where I went into a whole game covering it and thinking, yeah, whole Stonewall favourites for this game. There's no doubt they're going to walk away with the two points. I don't think that's happened since the opening week, to be honest. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they turn up and how they apply themselves and. And how they approach that game as well. And it'd be interesting to see what's said in press tomorrow. We'll obviously with Tony and the player and, and just it, how, how that changes. Because you know, you talk about the mood in camp and the confidence and the belief, it's been there, you know, they're supporting each other regardless of losing seven in a row. It's all been upbeat together, you know, the spirits there. I've seen it for myself going down. So that's that's never been an issue. But yeah, you look at Hull FC and the history, it doesn't doesn't align with them in this particular scenario. And it, it's down for them now to go go to Wakefield on Thursday. And show that they have turned a little bit of a corner and show that they, they can keep you know going in the right direction and take another step forward. It it's a huge game, you know. It don't look very attractive, does it, when you look at it? Oh, Thursday night fixture, Wakefield VLSC on Sky, but it's a big game, and I expect to see two teams playing, you know, with desperation and playing with you know a will win at all cost mentality. And I hope that's what the type of game we get because it, it should make for a good affair, really. The the beauty if they can beat Wakefield is 
from a recruitment standpoint, it will make it a hell of a lot easier if they've got a 10-point gap. Because uh, I think most people would agree that's pretty much whole safe. Uh, certainly the way Wakefield are going. Now, they have already been linked with a number of players um, that we, we know they're in for. Uh, and one of them that we, we broke today, uh, and it's a perfect opportunity to bring Joe in, uh, is Sam Wood um, from Hull KR. Um, we understand that that's there's a, you know a decent probability that that, that deal comes off. Um, Willie Peters has confirmed uh, to Joe this afternoon that he won't be staying at the club, um, which sort of paves the way. Um, I'll, I'll get Joe's take on it first from from both a KR standpoint and an FC. Standpoint. What what's your take on on that potential move, Joe? I think it, the writing was always going to be on the wall when it when Tony can start speaking to players. He signed the likes, you know, of Sean Kenny Dallow who's been linked, and Sam Wood, who was obviously ninety nine point nine percent going to be in black and white next year. So it does add up from a Rovers point of view. He's not going to get him Rovers' starting seventeen at the moment, but. He's a good squad player to have, and he's come in and he's done a job. He did a great job at the MKM when you know Rovers got the bragging rights a few weeks ago on Good Friday. So I'm disappointed to for him to go in some sense, but the underlying feeling is Rovers are going to go big in this recruitment drive, and I just think the writing was on the wall. One, when they signed Corey Hall. Two, now that they're extremely linked to Oliver Gildar, and again, that's you know 99.9% going to happen as well. Um, so he needs first-team rugby. He's a good player. He'll offer utility to Hull FC. He can play on the wing or in the centre. He suits Tony's style of play. Obviously, he's worked with Tony in the past at Craven Park. So I think as, as sad as it is for Rovers to be letting him go, I think it's a win-win for Willie Peters as such because he'll get him a player off the cap who he can't guarantee first-team rugby. And he was quite honest. He said, you know, he's a good player. He's a nice bloke to have. He's very, he's talkative and he's confident. And I think that'll bode well when he goes to Hull because they need some some enthusiasm into them, don't they, as well? And they're going through a transition period. But I think Hull fans will be happy to see him go. And there'll be some Rovers fans, you only have to check on Twitter. Some fans are upset. Some fans are by the by because they know that Rovers are probably going to invest heavily into the outside backs and Sam Wood wouldn't fit in there. But yeah, it's a bit of a surprise. We was a bit 50-50, weren't we, Matt, a few weeks back saying, will he stay, will he go? Now that we know that he is going, I am not surprised to see that he is staying in Hull, but he'll just be moving a little bit to the West. And you know what? Taking rivalry aside, I've, I've spoke to Sam a few times. He's a really good bloke to work from a media perspective. And I think it'll work out. I think he'll be pushing for a starting spot next year. And we, me and Dan have spoke about it so many times. He'll offer utility for Hull. And he's a young kid. He's thriving. He's getting better each time he plays. And I think all fans are happy that he's going to be in black and white next year. Let me just bring Cookie in. Because um, there's the Sam Wood and Owen Trout. Um, that's that I think Dan, Dan reminded me, but... Owen Trout did confirm interest. Uh, Tony Smith confirmed he was interested in Owen Trout, didn't he? Correct. Yeah. So we so there there are two bona fide ones. The Sean Kenny Dow one. Look, who knows? I I don't. I can't see him being at All FC next year in any capacity. But look, who knows? Never say never. Um, but just your, your initial thoughts, Cookie on on Trout and Wood. The first thing that st- sticks out to me is um, young. You can build around for three, four, five years, which ultimately is what Hull will need that time frame for, to rebuild, won't it? 
But it, it, the, the interesting one about Sam Sam Wood and, and, and Owen Trout for me is it get it gets more younger players one younger players into the team and into the squad. But he's he's going to begin to recruit to play the style of football that he wants to play, the style of rugby, and he did that at OKR. I mean, it, it, the the re, the real success story at OKR for me was, was George King um, when he, when he took him from Warrington. Uh, and he brought him in for energy and, and minutes, and the same with Sam Wood. And, and should Kenny Dow go over there? These are tried and trusted players that Tony's been involved with before. And to to, to change what what has been a, a vicious circle of of, of full FC performance over the the last three or four years, he's got to be he's got to begin to make the, these signings. And it's it's okay and all well and good going out and signing player X, Y, and Z if you don't know much about them. But when you're bringing in players such as Sam Wood. He knows what he's going to get. Um, Owen Trout's a really interesting one to me because he, he's a very, very good player. And Huddersfield can't keep everybody. Okay, I can't keep everybody. Sam Wood is a very good player. And he, uh, and Joe's right. He needs to play regular first-grade football. There's going to have to be some changes at Hull FC because some of the players there and some of the outside backs there that are, are going to be let go. Connor Wynn's already got gone to Bradford. Uh, I dare say Daniel McIntosh won't be offered a new deal. I'm not sure whether he's contacted next year. Dan might be able to help with that. But it's just, it, the, the changes like that have got to be made at Hull FC. And Tony's tried and tested players are the ones that he's going to trust to bring in to, to begin to change that culture. Dan, just, I was just going to say, um, on those two, look, there's no guarantee they'll... They'll get. I'm pretty sure they'll get Wood. Uh, to be honest, I think they'll get both. I think from what I'm hearing, I think both will end up all FC. Um, ju- just looking beyond that, though. Look at you know when you take into consideration who's off contract and who may leave, uh, and we'll get on to Chris Satay in a minute. Uh, but beyond that, wh- where else are you looking across that squad and thinking FC need to recruit and need to improve there? Prop and back row. Hundred percent. Wing was one of those, but it looks like in Samwood they've got a bloke that they've identified and thought, yeah, he could do a job for us. Um, they've got Adam Swift off contract. Dino McIntosh is off contract next year, but it won't surprise me if he's let go this year. It really won't. Uh, I think the writing's been on the wall. He's been dropped what twice already this year. Probably be a third time this week with Swift coming back in. Um, I think Cam Scott will keep his place, and, and rightly so. So yeah, proper proper and back row for me are the two areas, especially back row. I think. Unfortunately, and I, I hate saying this because he's a local Hull lad and he's a really nice kid, you know, proper down to earth and polite. But Jordan Lane needs to step up. We all know that. Everyone who's watched him uh, will admit that as well. And he's sort of looking at Josh Griffin again. He's out of contract. He's, you know, he's getting on a bit now. I think it's his birthday today. He's just turned 33, I think. So, you know, Hull have got a you know, decision to make there. So, yeah, they definitely need a big bat rower. Prop. I think Chris Satter, the writing on the wall for him to go to Catalans now, so they need a replacement there. You know, they need arguably they probably need two minimum props to come in, but it's the right type of prop in it. They want size, but they want durability, they want toughness. You know, props are just known not necessarily for flashy things, but they're just known for getting the job done, for being tough and resilient and making the carries, making the tackles. You know, not leaving gaping holes for the opposition to run through in defence and you know, quick play the balls and stuff like that. You know. Hard grafters and you know there's loads of players that you can identify that fit that bill and I think that's the type and certainly the positions that Hull FC need to be looking at. 
Just on satire, Cookie, uh, how big a loss will he be to Carlisle? Look, I don't think it's it's signed, sealed, delivered just yet, but I think Dan would agree that it, it, he's got a Catalan. Um, how, how big a loss will that be to Hull FC? Well, it's a conversation that we've had for quite a number of weeks, isn't it, with regards to FC's recruitment and retention. In You can't keep everybody, and those that you want to let go may, may have to stay because somebody who you want to stay may, may, may move to another club. And, and Sarte was always the one for, for me and for, for us when we've had conversations about, you know, you would like to keep him. But if he had, and, I, and I'm a local kid, if I had the option to stay at Hull FC, who are running third bottom or go to Catalan and live in the south of France when they're a very good team and, and, and are going to challenge at the top end of the league, it's a no-brainer for Satai, is it? And you can't blame him for moving on based on the, the club's performances over the last two years. Yes, you would love to keep him. Um, but it, it, again, it, you look at George King moving from Warrington to OKR, they're the type of players I believe that, that the club need. And Dan's just alluded to it there. You know, he got it absolutely spot on, hit the nail on the head. You, you've got to begin to recruit them players that can play the style of football you want to play. But there's no question it'll be a big loss, no question whatsoever. But for me, if you look at it overall with Chris Satai, in his first year here, he was outstanding, but the club was poor. And for me to have a front rower who's your gun players that year or your, you know, one of your players of the year, that doesn't sit right with me when you've got players that are supposed to be running the team, the span of the team, that I paid the big bucks to get the club over the line in games. And if you've got a front row who's your best player, then surely something's wrong with that club. And, and that's what's got to change. Satai leaving is probably been pound for pound the best the, the best overseas signing that they have signed. But Dan's right, you've got to, they've got to begin to recruit players that, that are willing to graft hard, stay on the field, not turn it in, and do all the little things right. Let's move on to Hull KR, because uh, Joe will be patiently waiting to talk about <laughs> some of their recruitment uh, that's gone on. Um, there's been there's been that much. I, I, I sometimes forget what we've actually reported on what we've not. So, AJ Wallace uh, yeah. from Bradford Bulls. Mm -hmm. But the big one, obviously, is Oliver Gildart. Um, that looks like it'll be a deal that, that comes off. Uh, I, was, I was a little bit surprised... Uh, the reaction, because it seemed split. It didn't seem like everyone was convinced by it. I thought that everyone would be looking at that as a as a very good signing. Um, but that wasn't the case. What's your take on it, Joe? I think people are a bit short-sighted, and if they don't watch the NRL and they see that he's only played nine games in two years, you assume that is a has-been and he's not going to pull his weight over here. And you only have to look at what Ryan Hall's done. And Oliver Gildart's 10 years younger than Ryan Hall. Do you know what I mean? So the evidence is there to say if you don't crack it in the NRL, it doesn't mean that you don't crack it over here. And that's vice versa as well. There's been players who make it in the NRL. And, you know, so, but we, I think with Gildart, yeah, I'm excited. Me and Cookie spoke about it yesterday and... He hasn't played much, so he's got a point to prove. You go back three years, when he did he score a brace against New Zealand at the MKM, funnily enough, in Hull, or a try, and everyone was saying he's the next big thing, and he's only 26. He's, he'll be upset that it hasn't worked over there. He's coming over to Hull KR, and he's yeah, he's got a point to prove. He's going to be fighting with Tom Opacek, Corey Hall, maybe more signings in the future. 
And this is a bloke who is in his mid-twenties, won everything in the British game, tried his hand at the NRL. He's still playing for the Queensland Cup's best team. And if anybody watches the Queensland Cup, you'll know the standard's very, very good. Um, so he's playing for the Queensland Capers in the centre at the moment. They're the Dolphins' his feeder team. And they're top of the Queensland Cup at the minute and going well unbeaten, I think Gildart is in his seven games. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring to Craven Park. And I think Willie Peters has identified him as a player who can get Rovers on the front foot, who's got a bit of speed about him because as good as the likes of um, Sean Kenny Dowell and Lynette are and um, a few other outside backs, Rovers have missed that, that bit of electric pace probably since the days of like a Ken Seo, Albert Kelly, Kieran Dixon, that era. So Rovers definitely need to get some speedsters in this team as well to add to what they've already got. But I think in Gildart, yeah, he's a big name signing and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and touch wood, he comes over and reflects um, reclaims the form that he showed for Wigan that got him a gig down under and got him into the England team, got him into the Great Britain team. So it's a big name. I'm not surprised about the reaction, but you know, like I said, Ryan always called a has been when he came over to LKR three years ago, and look how that's turned out. So it's a different kettle of fish, of course, but big name signing, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Cookie, thoughts on Gildart? Yeah, as, as Joe says, we had this conversation yesterday. You forget because he's only played a minimum number of top-grade games in the NRL um, over the last couple of years. You forget what he has done in the British game and how he was performing before he left. Um, he's younger than Kenny Dowell. I, don't, I, I genuinely believe it. I'm different to him. I think Kenny Dowell will end up over the other side of the city to, to, to assist with Tony and, and changing the culture. But, but you can understand why Corey Hall's come in. They've let a, a fourth fullback go. There's a real drive with their recruitment. And Oliver Gilgart fits that. You know, you, you lose a Kenny Dowlow's 30-plus or 35-plus, and you bring in a 25, 26-year-old who's played at the top level, played in a great Wigan team that's won trophy after trophy, and then he's played at, at international level. And then you forget about the, the last couple of years that he's just not played at, at the top level in NRL. But I think he'll be a great signing for OKR. Um, the only worry that I've always had about him is defensively, he's not the biggest centre. So he's a little bit lightweight in terms of, you know, if you're opposite a Kenny Dowell for, for, for argument's sake. But what he does have is, is the ability to be, use his feet and be quick and get across the turf, get close to, to people to bring him down. But he, that's, that's his biggest asset for me is with ball in hand and his ability to evade and, and get on the outside of you. Uh, you know, the smartness of his lines of run. I think it's a really good signing for Hulkear. And again, it's something that they're getting right continually now, Hulkear. They are making signings based on three and four years down the line. And there's no surprise to me that a 36-year-old Kenny Dow moving on for a 26-year-old Oliver Gildar is good business. The challenge they've, <coughs> the challenge they've got, Hulkear, I think, with this recruitment cycle now is given... The, you know, how they've progressed on the field, but also with with the money that they've now got off the field. They're shopping in a in a different pond, they're fishing in a different pond, aren't they, to, to what they have done in the past. I think the challenge is to ensure that they, they keep signing the right people who come with the right motives that fit the club. They found a way um, and a mould that, that worked for them. I think it becomes... And you'll know this, Cookie. It becomes slightly different when you you start recruiting more high end players who have who are maybe coming um, 
at a different stage of the career for maybe different reasons. It might be money, it might be it could be whatever, you know. That that's one thing. No one ever signed for KR, not in that this last little cycle for the money. Well, the, there's that threat now, isn't there? So the, the challenge is making sure that you're signing people who are coming for the right reasons that fit, you know, the drive of the club and where they've got to, where they've been, where they want to go. Um and, also, and it's just it's slightly different to what they've done that's worked so well from in the last three years. That that's I won't say it's a concern, but that's the challenge I think that they face now. Well, for me, for me, for me, with that, with that, Matt, when you say that they're fishing in a different pond now, um, with, with regard to finance, I think I, I, and I'm not sure whether I, I'm wrong here, but the last time that they signed a, a lot of younger players and some big name Australians that that came over. Um, was was probably when you look at Clint Newton, Bengalia, Daniel Fitzhenry, um, and they went on to finish top four that year. And the the, the club's recruitment drive now is is based on off field investment um, with the the new board of directors. You're right. The challenge the challenge is to keep continually get it right and become a force within the game. It's no you're right. It's no good signing players that are going to come with. Poor, uh, and bring poor culture or poor attitude. Um, so yeah, I, I think Gildart's a, a wonderful signing, and and the, the club has gone from strength to strength off the field. You know, every decision that that has been made since Lakin came back in, Paul Lakin, has been the right one. You know, off the field, the space behind the post for Craven Street. You know, the, the new development of the the training facilities that they're going to have. Uh, that then means you are fishing in a different pond of player because they're coming to a top top class organisation, um, uh, and 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 the rules with with IMG and uh, and everything going on off the field for the sport. OKR are leading the way with with one or two other clubs, both on and off the field with regards recruitment and and facilities that they're, they're developing. I think on top of that as well, Matt, when you said about the challenge. I think Willie understands that and he he highlights what type of bloke he wants. And I think even a few weeks ago when Will Tate left, he didn't kind of wear it like this. But if you look around and you paint the picture, he said, I want players who want to fight for the spot. And if people don't want to do that, then you don't want them involved. He's not, I won't say rules with an iron fist and he's a dictator as such, but he's methodical in his approach and he's ruthless. Him, Brett Delaney, Danny Maguire, Dave Hodgson, what the building at the club, they want every session to be like a cup final and, I haven't run it yet, but a real good story that he's, he said in the press this morning was about when I came to the club. The first thing I heard was, oh, well, going to Warrington away, yeah, it's tough. We don't win stuff like that. No, we do. We're not bothered if it's Warrington or Wigan away. Then we go and they'll play the whole KR way. And he, he is quite that. He's a passionate bloke and he wants people to be scared to come to Craven Park and be scared to play against Hull KR. And it's no surprise that he's built this culture so quickly in my eyes. And I think with the players he will sign, of course, he's going to be fishing in a bigger pond and he'll be linked with some big names. And I'm sure we'll run some stories that might not happen, but in the end, they will get the right people. I have confidence in what he's going to do. But again, like Cookie said, bringing people like Gildart over, even though he is a bit defensively weak, you only have to look at what Corey Hall's done in the past three weeks since coming to Hull KR. He's improved massively on his physical stature, his defence, his groundwork. That's what Rovers pride themselves on. 
And I think whoever, when Willie's making them calls to the AJ Wallaces of the world and Oliver Gildarts, it's, yeah, you're coming to Craven Park, but we're going to be working hard and you're going to be fighting for your place. Gone are the days of they just sign anybody to make up the numbers and you're putting people in for the sake of it. I think now there's actually, there's a bit of a war to get that starting jersey. And that's why the likes of Sam Wood, Frankie Halton, who was the first name on the team sheet last year, can't even get in the 21-man squad. So it's positive. You obviously had different challenges because then he's got to juggle people being on happy sending them out on loan and but i think you will manage it and it's exciting times they they hammered just just moving on they hammered huddersfield um well well did they hammer them? look joe you tell me because i've spoke to a few people at huddersfield who i was quite surprised they were quite chilled out about it they, they're like the result the scoreline looked worse than, than it was I, I wasn't there i've not seen it i don't know they seemed pretty relaxed but and i'm just looking at this from a huddersfield perspective rather than a whole KR perspective. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Cookie said they've been the biggest disappointment so far. And since then, they've lost to FC and KR. Um, and we talk about progression of of teams and everything. This was the year that Huddersfield was supposed to well and truly crack on. Now, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they won't. They might still well do that. But 11 rounds in, have they got four wins? Five yes. wins? They've, got, they've, won, they've played a game less, haven't they? Um, it's not going to plan, is it? Let's be it's honest. The, it's their attack, honestly. I don't understand how Woodersfield is saying that. I mean, a moment that changed, it was Ryan Hall's interception because that goes a different way and Kevin Nagama goes under the sticks and it's six all. But again, Rovers are winning them little moments. And honestly... They dominated them. Huddersfield looked lacklustre in attack. Jake Connor must have made about, I think it was seven pairs, individual errors on the stat centre and then... He must have thrown the ball into touch at least three times. He threw away the interception, missed the tackle for the bachelor try. And yeah, Uddersfield just aren't working at the moment. I know they're missing Ollie Russell and Theo Farge. Like they're, you know, they orchestrate it, don't they? But still, for the players they've got on the pitch, the way they're performing, they just didn't manage the conditions as well. I mean, it was monsoon season at Craven Park. But yeah, Ian Watson, he held his hand up and said, Rovers are a team that... They're a different team to the whole KR I've known in the past. They want to work hard for each other and they want to bully her. And he said they've never had that. So I think he understands that his team have got a bit of an ego issue. He quoted that as well. He said, we've got a bit too many egos. And I know Cookie alluded to that a few weeks back. But yeah, they've been poor. I thought they was awful at OFC. I watched that game for the Man of Steel panel. Um, there was absolutely atrocious at OFC. And this week's been been similar, uh, maybe not to the the level of. You can talk, he can talk all he wants about OKI Watson. He, he he's got egos within his dressing room. Don't forget, he signed these egos, Matt. His time will run out at Huddersfield. Ken David will will put pressure on because the the players that he has got should be playing better, and they should be doing better. They've got one game in hand against last year's champions. Because of the World Cup challenge, if they don't win that, the four from twelve or whatever it is, it's it really is a poor, a poor Huddersfield team that's that's rocked up the last two weeks, and I still maintain it. They are the biggest flatterers to deceive in the competition. They've got such a good playing roster, such a good individual playing roster. But if you can't shape them players together, then you've got no chance. Jake Connor has been Hull KR's best player for two years in the games he's played against them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It's yes, he really has. He really has. Derby at Craven Park, six times he threw the ball to the ground. He throws intercepts after intercept. If you throw one a year, 
you ought to hang yourself from a tree. Never mind. One every game against OKR, it's really poor from him. You know, and, he, and he's a great player on his day, but you cannot continually play the way that he plays against against teams. And Huddersfield cannot continually rock up to big games uh, and play the way that they're playing, and then and then everybody got, gets off the back. So Ian Watson's got a real job on them. I, I I'll I'll say this over and over again. Uh, I think Phil Farge is one of the most underrated players in Super League, and people go, oh, "What does he do? What does he do?" They look they look rudderless without him for me. I think without him steering the ship, uh, they they don't look like they know what to do. They lose the Matt, short but, kick but what's game. His inj- what's his injury, Matt? Uh, it, no. Off top of my head, it's a calf. He's due back in two weeks, I think. I think he misses. No, I think he misses this game they've got this week, and then I think he's back for the Challenge Cup. I'll tell you what, then. Pro Rata, with the amount of games he's played for Huddersfield over the last two years, and a marquee player, they ain't getting the money's worth, Matt. No, and no, I can't. Game, you know, with the injuries, he's missed a lot of games. There's no getting yeah, exactly. away from that. Exactly. So you're paying somebody two hundred and fifty grand a year to sit on the sidelines. You signed him. Not me. Yeah. He signed him. You can't. Yeah, no, I get, no, I get them that. big mistakes continually. You know, there's other, there's other players that have missed other players that have missed games uh, and a lot of games for Huddersfield too. And you're right, they had they do look rudderless without him. But you can't rely on a player that's played pro pro rata. Uh, is on such big money per game when he's sat in the stands. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair comment. Um, it's a fair comment. He, he has missed a lot of games and. The, the struggle the struggle for Huddersfield as well, just looking slightly beyond what's happening now, from a recruitment perspective, it's not easy for them because they're at the part of the cycle where this is where you're supposed to come, you know, be at the top. Um, and the challenge is retaining everyone um, rather than looking to recruit. Well, you do, you do look at their squad on paper and the sport isn't played on paper and all that, but you do, you do look at it and go, well, we've, we've, Who's coming off contract? There's not many coming off contract. And a lot of the players who are, are, are squad players. You do wonder how they can strengthen that squad next year, to be honest. I, I think they've got a real challenge on their hands. Uh, you know, I think they'll lose Trout. And then you look at it, I, I just don't know. I'm a bit... Well, if, you, if, you're, if you're owing Trout, Matt, you're, you're playing on the field of play and there's other front rows that are around you that are on much bigger money Sebi Kahipo will be on big money and, and Trout is outshining them players. We said this about um, who they are, about Albert Vette is on big money and Corbin Sims is on big money. They ought to have given George King some of their salary. And, and you've got to sign the right players. Owen Trout could stay and Ikahipo could go and you wouldn't notice too much of a difference. So you've got to get that right. And it's the challenge for who are now when you're bringing in that sort of calibre of player, you've got to make sure that the ones you sign on big money are giving you value for money. And I don't think Huddersfield are getting that. And you're right, they've got lots of players that are on big money that are signed up for next year. And they're going to lose some of these good young up-and-coming players like Trout because he sees and he sits in the change room saying, well, I'm doing better than him. And I'm on a quarter of the money. It's a difficult challenge, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, the one club we haven't covered just on, on those two fixtures are Wigan. Um, I, I don't know. The, the game itself, they look to me ultimately like they were they were missing a half-back, which they were. Jake, um, you know, Shorrox has played really well for them since coming back on loan, but I think that was a game that proved he's maybe not 
not the half, not that they're trying to pretend to be, ju- just from a recruitment standpoint. And Dan, I'll come to you because we've not heard from you for a while. Um, back row is the obvious one, isn't it? They need they need a back rower. If Cus goes, they need a half. Um, and the, the, I suppose the thing for, for Wigan is they've actually got some space. I think they'll go for a prop as well. Singleton's got a Salford. I can't see him keeping Paddy Mago. Um so they've got some space. I, I half wondered if they're going for satire, but um, yeah, that's a conversation for a different day. But they they have gone in for Luke Thompson. I think they've they've not really shied away from that. I don't think they'll get him because he wants to stay. Well, he's, him and his uh, partner want to stay in Australia. And given the salary cap gulf, I just can't see that deal coming off. Um, however, never say never, I suppose. But they they are a club that you're probably looking at from a recruitment standpoint and going, they could... They've got the capability to to pull in some big names. Yeah, and the name allows them to do that. You know, everyone knows who Wigan Warriors are, one of the most famous, biggest, and best best clubs in the Super League. So there's no doubt that they'll attract interest, and especially with the coach as well. I don't think it's actually mentioned how, as well as being a good young coach, or what an actual top bloke Matty Peters as well. You know, he's really really genuine when he speaks to the media, honest and just a good bloke. And I don't think anyone's got a bad word to say about him. So they've got some pulling power there and they, they'll get some big players that will come in. There's no doubt about that. It's Wigan. But also with Wigan, they'll bring the next calibre through their own ranks because it's what they do. Yeah, people will be thinking, oh yeah, what big names are they going to bring through from the NRL? But I listen to Tony Smith every single week talk about junior development and there's no better club than Wigan for that. They'll bring a back row through their academy. They'll have an half coming through. Also, Harry Smith coming through, you know, two or three years ago. But look at him now made his England debut, very good player. So they'll, they'll recruit and they'll bring some names in, but they'll also promote from within as well. And because that's what we can do. They bring players through that. Are, you know, you look at the squad right now, I think Ethan Havard is an unreal young player who's come through their system. There's plenty more like that. And Liam Marshall, you look at him, you know, it, it's just testament to what they do as a club. And there's no doubt in my mind that they'll keep on doing that. But yeah, it's a nice luxury to have in it when you think, yeah, you've got a bit of cap space. You can go sign a big prop, a big back rower, maybe get in half. <laughs> I think one of their big things, and when Jai Field does come back, I actually think Bevan French is a better fullback. So what do they do there? That's that's a big conundrum in itself. So I totally don't, yeah. they don't yeah. want to be playing Bevan French on the wing. He, he's shown in the past few weeks. It was Wigan's biggest threat again on Thursday, even in a you know monsoon that unfolded at the MKM. It was still their biggest threat. Almost broke away Danny at the end if it weren't for a last ditch effort from you know who else but Danny Alton. So. Yeah, they've got luxuries that other clubs haven't got. They can they can spend big, they can attract players, but they can also promote from within. It's just getting that balance right, isn't it? Yeah, it's a challenge. I, I'm with you. I, I think French is just wonderful. Uh, I think, to be honest, I think he's the best player in the comp. Uh, and he's just... I don't want to say he's a waste on the wing because he's very good on the wing, but he's that good at fullback. And, and there is the field issue. I, you know, could they play field at six, Cookie? Would that work with, with what Harry Smith brings? You've just took the word right out of my mouth. Nico Hines. Nico Hines at Cronulla. He's moved from Melbourne to Cronulla to become a halfback on Dali M last year. You can see Jai Field doing that. You can see him moving into the halves and then playing French at fullback. I mean, I watched him score a try. Um, I don't know if it was this year or last way. He steps, steps two, three players and they don't lay a glove on him. They didn't lay a glove on him. It was at Wigan. I can't remember which game it was. It must have been this year. And it just didn't. But nobody laid a glove on him at half. You know, he's a very good fullback too, Guy Field. But he took the words right out of the mouth. You could move him into the half, play French at fullback. I mean, what a threat you would have there. You know, Guy Field can step off both feet 
uh, or he could play out the back uh, on a sweet run to Bevan French, who frightens their defenders into death with his pace anyway. So that the, all of a sudden, them back rowers and them 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 half backs on the edges defending at the centre are in real trouble if they play field at, at half. Do they, do they need to go by a half when they've got dry field? I'm not sure. I, I agree with you, Matt. There, the other one with back rower with them, Matty Nicholson's a big loss to them. You know, when he went over to Warrington, they Agreed. developed him and he went over for first grade rugby because they had Bateman and, and Farrell. Now, Bateman's moved on for big, big money to go to West Tigers. He'd have played, wouldn't he, now? But you're right, they'll, 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 Joe's right and Dan's right. You, you, they'll find something. Dan's bang on with the, the, the youth development that they've got. They'll find, they'll find a back rower, whether they sign one or they'll bring one through. Yeah, Joe, have you... Sorry, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think they could do with two back rowers. I think Willie Ice, uh, you carry in a quarter player who's back end of his career. I think he's not been the best player for a few years strong, now. He's very strong, strong disagree. Strong oh, really? Disagree. I think, look, I've watched them lose games this season. I saw them lose against Hull KR. They didn't have Willie Ice. They lost to Hull FC without Willie Ice. He brings an intensity and leadership that goes completely unappreciated. I think they are a better team with Willie Iser in there, and I think results prove it. Well, I hope he don't play in two weeks then when they come back to Craven Park, if you say that. What about Liam Farrell, Matt? I don't know. I think maybe he's not his numbers up. He's still a good player on his day, but people do peter out, don't they, when they get to the twilight years, and I just think he's lived off cutting inside for so long. Hull was accustomed to it straight away, and I just think, like Cookie said about Matty Nicholson, he'd be in there every week now, and they need to start embedding certainly the forward pack. Yeah, well, the, and the other the other one as well is James McDonnell, who's at Leeds and done really oh, yeah. well. You know, they got him from Wigan. He's, he's another one. Um, you know, to lose two back rowers of that, you know, a young age the same time has probably hurt their succession planning a bit. Look, uh, on ISA, well, yeah, they, they, they can't go on forever. Um, the succession planning will have been hurt. They do need to find someone. They're losing Kai Pierce Paul. I, I think they'll go for a big name there, personally. Because I, I know that they, they rate um, Ensemba, who's coming through. He, he looked destined to score on Thursday night with that first carry yeah. talk. I can't believe he didn't. Uh, but they rate him highly. I just think they, they probably need something there, but they need someone at the right age because, as you said, if they if they get someone who's sort of in that 31-32 bracket, you're potentially losing three back rowers on all at once, and that's not a place you want to be. So I think they've got a they've got a really tough one there. The the, the name that sticks out to me, and and look, I, I'm not saying that this is done or even happening. This is I'm just looking at and thinking who would be a good pickup for Wigan. And I'm looking at Wakefield and then probably going down. Kalepi Tanganoa just stands out like mm-hmm. a sore thumb for me as someone who'd be an obvious signing for them. That I think could be really good for them as well. Covers a bit of prop, covers a back row, a bit younger. Um, I think he'd be a fantastic signing for Wigan. I really do. But Yeah, you've got Jordi Crowver as well, haven't you, as well, who could maybe fit that bracket hard working. Possibly. Possibly. We'll see. We'll see. Um, What's interesting with Wigan there, Matt, and what you've just said is, you know, when you, you, you consider your recruitment two and three years down the line, it really hurts you when you lose them two back rowers, one to Leeds and one to Warrington, because you see them in your succession plan and you see them taking over from Farrell and taking over from Isa. Um, and you're right, with, sooner or later, they're going to have to make calls on them two players who are, who are getting on a little bit and by the time catches up with everybody. 
But the succession plan of that was really hurt when they lost them two back rowers. And you're not expected to lose them. You know, you're expecting to keep them. Um, so, so it's really difficult when you've got such a good playing roster because them two players moved on because they couldn't see themselves getting in front of Bateman and Farrell and then Isa. Now they've lost now they've lost Bateman and Ice is coming towards the end and Farrell. That them two would be in there or thereabouts, wouldn't they? And the succession plan it was really damaged when they left the club for me. And don't forget Caipius Paul as well, who's who's leaving at the end of the season. So the three back rowers that they'd probably penciled in when you you're building your squad for three, four, five and beyond, they were probably the three back rowers. And they, they'll they have lost them all in twelve months. So um it's a challenge. That is a challenge. Uh, anyway, moving on. I want to move on to Leeds because uh, one of the big stories over the weekend that got traction and, and inevitably was going to do uh, wasn't so much their loss to Salford, but the bust-up, fallout, um, whatever you want to call it, between Harry Newman and Tom Holroyd in the tunnel after the game. Um, I, when, when I heard about this cookie, I, I, I had a I sort of ran around a few people engaged. You know, is this common? Is it uncommon? Should it be a concern? Uh, and the general consensus was not common, uh, not not necessarily unhealthy, but also not a great thing. Um, what, what what's your take on it? This this um, this fallout between the two. Healthy, absolutely healthy. It shows the care. It shows that they're, they're, they're really passionate about the the, the performances. Um, I've I've seen numerous incidents like this it was in the tunnel lots of them in the changing room Matt don't worry about that or in a video room which come to almost come to blows and you know the, there has been a few occasions in training sessions where it has come to blows you know you let the players get on with it and then you split them up after about 25 seconds after they've thrown a few and, and release that frustration so there's nothing wrong with it in my eyes whatsoever the problem I've got with Leeds is they're just not they're just either rocks or diamonds and and I'm not taking nothing away from Salford because I thought their performance was wonderful last weekend but they're the most unlike lead squad of players that I've ever known because when I when I was playing against Leeds and, and you wait to harp on about all that but the golden era that they had you knew what you was going to get when you go to Leeds now that you're just not, not sure what you're going to get and Rowan Smith you know, we, we, we was, um, I thought we was great with the football and we attacked really well. Well, I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing much of that. I, I, agree, I'm not, okay. I agree. I'm not, I agree. I think, I, I'm not sure what kind of, what information he's coming out with and what stats that they're doing. Because if he's telling me that that league team are attacking well, then I'm not having it. I'm not having that. And, and, and he's got some runs on the board with regards to him going to the grand final last year and taking the team to the grand final after such a poor start. You can't continually start poorly and play the way they're playing and then peak at the end of the season every single year. Uh, there's some ma- ma- major overhauling that needs to be done at the club for me. Um, yeah, and I'm just not... Uh, but I don't, I don't think that the incident between the two players is anything but healthy. I, I'm going to give my take on Leeds and I think it'll be somewhat unpopular, but I'll, I'll try and explain and you can all call me out. I think there is a expectation reality gulf there at the minute. I, when, when Rowan Smith was appointed, everyone agreed, everyone was singing off the same hymn sheet, it's a long-term project, it's a long-term rebuild. It, similar, but not as 
extreme as what Hull FC and Castleford are going to be going through shortly. Uh, and it was easy for everyone, particularly the fans, to say that uh, early on because they were winning. So you can say, "Oh yeah, it's a rebuild." You know, yeah, it's all right. It's easy to say that when you're winning games because you don't you don't have to mean it. You don't have to you don't have to be patient because you're winning there and now. So you can say it because it sounds good and it's great. I think making the grand final, I'm not going to call it a fluke. I, I don't think. I think if they have that scenario 10 times, I don't think they make the grand final any more than two or three, right? I, I think, but what I think it's done is actually lifted the expectation of where Leeds are at. Um, I've, look, I, as, as we've spoken about before, I tipped them to finish seven for the start of the year and got absolutely hammered. So am I surprised to see them struggling? No, I'm not, because I look at the recruitment they did. They got rid of a lot of senior players and brought in young lads who were projects. And when you do that, and you bring you not only the average age of your squad down, but ultimately bring the quality of your squad down, not so much potential, but quality there and now, you have to accept there's going to be some inconsistent performances. And ultimately, that is what's happening at Leeds now. They are inconsistent. Um, is you know, I, I come away sometimes, and were you, Cookie, where Rowan said, you know, good game of footy, thought we attacked well, and I'm scratching my head going, I'm just not seeing that, I'm sorry. But then I think, is he trying to protect the team? Because ultimately it's a young team and, you know, they, they need looking after. You look at the team they had out on um, on Friday night, you know, Jack Sinfield, teenager. You've got Corey Johnson, not played 30, 30 top flight games. Uh, Sam Walters, young lad. James McDonald still ultimately finding his feet. Morgan Gannon, teenager. It's a young team. It's a young team. But I, th- I think what we've got now is we've got everyone expecting Leeds to be a, a top team again and forgetting what had gone on before that. And not just not just before Rowan got there that season, but the, the years before that, yes, they'd improved, but it wasn't too long ago that they were scrapping relegation and Agar had to pull them out of it. I, did, I, just, I just think there is a... Because it's Leeds, people think they should be better than they are. I think that this is the, the first full year of a rebuild. I think that's where they're at. We all know that the salary cap was a mess last year and they've had to sort that out. So again, you never expect it to be right the year after. I think this year coming is the big recruitment cycle for them because they've got a lot of cap space coming and they can figure stuff out. But ultimately, I, I just think that if they'd have, they have they made the playoffs, if you recall, in the last 10 minutes of the regular season, they turned it around against Cass. I think if they'd have gone out there, seventh place, everyone would have gone, oh, well, you know, he, he improved them can have a, a crack on. I think the perception's different about how they're doing this year. I think I think they're almost uh, a victim of what happened at the end of last season. Uh, I think people are are unrealistic uh, about where they're at, Main, mainly their own supporters, if I'm honest. Uh, I can imagine everyone shouting at me now. Probably you guys are all waiting to have your so on it. But I, I just that's where I'm at with Leeds. I just I think I think they are what they are at the minute. I think they'll get better, but I think. They're not doing any different to what I expected, to be honest. Well, I agree, Matt. I, I completely agree. Uh, uh, there's nothing more that there's nothing that you've said there that I wouldn't agree with. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see with them. In four or five years, the, the, them young players that you mentioned will be ardent first grade players. I've got no doubt. Um, but you, you, you're right. I, I think they're a victim of their own success and. Uh, 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 listen, I don't think you'd make a grand final with it being luck. I don't. 
but you're right, it was it was close to not making the six at all. And then to go on and, and, and improve into the playoff series and make a grand final. Um, uh, and this year, as you said, the expectation levels had lifted because of it. And it is, it's unrealistic for me. It's an, it's an unrealistic thing to ask of, of that squad of players to, to get it right week in, week out. What, what I will say is <clears throat> recruitment is important for them and probably break some names in the, in the next week or so. But what, what I am finding weird is a lot of the names I'm hearing linked with Leeds at the minute or Leeds are interested in are players from the Championship again. Now, look, I'm all for clubs fishing there. I think there's some great players who deserve a crack. However, I think if you look at what Leeds did last year, they recruited more players from the Championship that they saw as projects so they, for players to actually improve them here and now. I don't think they can do that again. You know, I think they they have to sign players that are, are going to make them better here and now. Um, so that, look, watch this space on that and see what they do. But Rowan Smith, is he's quirky in his decision-making at times. Um, the talk is he wants to move Ash Hanley to fullback next year, which I can I can absolutely see, to be honest. Because he, he he bemoans them playing out the back all the time. Well, he, he just wants a carrier, and that's what Ashanley is. Um, and he wants he wants halfbacks that run, so he knows what he wants. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I just I, I'm intrigued by their. I am intrigued by their recruitment because I think I think they've got. I think they are a a, a team that will need certainly some top quality halfbacks next year. I was going to say Austin and Caesar are off contract, aren't they? Yeah, there's those two. There's Fusatua, there's Bentley, there's Tetevano. There's some serious cap space opening up. Yeah. Serious yeah, no, cap. it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if you mentioned about the championship there, because obviously we we know they're that enigma, but they need to get it right. These young kids, like Cookie said, that even like you can class Mikolai and Cam Smith, they're only mid-20s, they're not even in the prime yet. And if they can build around there, I just don't think Caesar's not working, is he being honest? Austin hit yeah. and miss, he has his good games and then he has his games where he's not even interested and he stands on the wing. But I think Caesar, for what he did over in the NRL, come over at Huddersfield and impressed, he just hadn't kicked off at Headingley. So, yeah, I think they need five, six, seven quality players, even the people who he's brought in from the NRL, that Lasone, he, he's hit and miss as well and he reminds me of Vette, who we've already mentioned. But, yeah, they're definitely him. a club. Just not seeing it with him, Joe. No, well, you mentioned his fitness, didn't we, at the beginning of the season and went to a few pre-season matches and giving the benefit of the doubt. But it's just that impact in it. You come on, you do 10, 15 minutes and you, you're, you, when you're putting your hand up after 10, 15 minutes instead of digging in and earning your wage, that's when you know you've probably got a bit of a problem. It's just a front foot forward. If 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 you can get him on the field when you've got some ascendancy, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be great. He's a bit like Satai. He's not as good as satire, but he's, he's that mould. There's no point having him on if, if his stint is defensive-based because no. he's, he's not good at it. Um, he becomes a liability, to be honest. So, um, look, we'll see. We'll, I just I think they need some leaders, leads. I think I think the not so much – when you say they lack leaders, it, you can almost – it can be seen as a real bad criticism. I just think they lack that person to take, to take hold of the team. I don't think they have that. Um, and again, it's a young team. You, you mentioned some lads there. You've got Oledsky, 24, O'Connor, 21, Holroyd, 22, McDonald, 23, Gannon, 19, I think, Cam mm. Smith, 24. That's a full pack, all 24 and under. 
you know, it's, it's a young team. It's a young team, but they, they need they need some figures, whether it is a new middle to replace Tetevano or halfbacks, we're just going to really take the... And I, I do feel for Austin in that sense, because I do think he's trying. I don't think it's a natural role for him, but I think he's trying. Um, and I think that's why he's hit and miss. But anyway, um, moving on, what about Salford, fellas? Uh, they just keep winning. Just keep knocking the wins off uh, and, and seemingly going under the radar. They, I have Dan, 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 they're, they're the most impressive team that you, you've seen this year with Hull FC, Dan. I thought they were phenomenal against Hull FC. Phenomenal. Yeah, they play the right brand of rugby, don't they? They're exciting. They always have been, regardless of what calibre of player they've got. They've got an excellent span. You know, they've probably got one of the best spans in the competition. It's not just that, though. They've got other players. They've got good, honest pack, you know, good outside backs. And, you know, I think Paul Rowley also is an outstanding coach as well. Probably don't get enough credit. But, yeah, they've just got all the little cogs in the wheel just seems to be clicking right now. And they're just a team that, don't go away and they stay in the fight and they can they can grind teams out and then on another day they can absolutely rip you apart as, as they did Huddersfield in the playoffs last year as they did Hull FC earlier this year yeah they're just a really good well well oiled unit and it's no surprise that they're picking up wins I think Matt we spoke about this last time we did a podcast about Salford and you sort of you're saying that yeah if one of them goes down if a Croft goes injured you know what happens but while they're on the field they're going to be a threat and while they're all playing well together they're going to be in that six for me, there's no doubt about that. I think they've, they've earned that status and they've earned, they've earned the right to be talked about like that as a playoff side. Yeah. The, the, the development of Paul Rowe is interesting, Matt, because I, I, I was coaching at Doncaster when um, Lee was in the championship and we became the first team to beat them that year. Um, and, there was a, and, and then I ended up going on to the staff with regards um, Lee. And it, it was for, for me a, a young coach in Paul Rowley was very much gung ho. It was play rugby at all costs, and uh, there was no grit about Lee. And they never made Super League under him. Um, but his development's been really interesting to me because I remember when they played Hull KR in the in the middle eights competition, and there was twenty odd points up Lee, and then Hull KR peg him back because. They throw the ball to a sideline with a minute to go before half time, and the ball goes over the edge. Hulk KR score, and then Hulk KR blow him away in the second half. And I think that development from that young Paul Rowley to a, a smarter, older, wiser um, Paul Rowley, who still still wants to play football and still wants to have his team play the right brand of football, but there's a real. It, it, I, I don't think this Salford team would throw the ball to an edge one minute before half time when they're leading 20 points to nil, like the the Lee team did. Um, I, I, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence, and it was bordering more on arrogance with Lee, like the other God give them right. And it's he's right with what he said after the game at Leeds. They're not getting enough credit for what they're doing with players that are out injured, with a smaller squad, um, and, and Dan's spot on with regards to the spine of the team. Uh, but but it works, and, and I think the development of Rowley from that young coach at Leeds and now at Salford is, is really mature and, and the team he's got is a real threat in the competition, a real threat. I'm going to ask you all this. You can all come in collectively. Are they contenders for Challenge Cup Grand Final? Are they that good? Challenge Cup, I think, not Grand Final for me. 
Dan. Yeah, well, Challenge Cup, they've got Huddersfield, haven't they? Right now, you're tipping Salford, 100%. Then the two games away from Wembley. So, who knows? The, the, you know, they did it in 2020. Obviously, they made the grand final in 2019. You've got a time you run right, haven't you? So, why not? If, if Put this way, if you was in the six and you've got Brodie Croft, you've got Mark Sneed, you've got Andy Ackers, Ryan Brealey, all firing, all in sync with those, you know, edges of Callum Watkins, Ken Seo, Joe Burgess, Dion Cross, Tim Lafayette. There's no way I'd want to face them. No way. Because they play, if they click, they can play some outstanding rugby league. It's eye-catching, it's efficient, but it can blow you away as well. They're going to roll on. They're a difficult team to stop. So, if they time the run, they're a threat. I, I definitely think they're going to be a top six side. I've got no doubt they're not. But they're, they're going to finish in the six. I'll be amazed if they don't. And, and like I say, when it gets to the playoff time, that Tolford, that would not be a team you want to face. 100% not. As for the Cup, you know, they beat Huddersfield, they get a favourable draw. Let's say they get the winnings of the old championship affair. You know, they're in the semi-final. They're 80 minutes away from Wembley. So, you know, who knows? It's it's a little bit of a look of the draw, but it's also about, as we know in Super League, it's about timing your run right. If they do that, I won't back against them. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I, I I wouldn't rule them out of of making a grand final or winning a grand final. That is for sure. Because if they get if they catch you on their day, or you're not at the races, they they've a, they they're not just a one trick pony that can throw the ball around and they'll beat you. They can grind. They can play tough. And strong, and as I say, that's the difference between a younger Paul Rowley for me and his team now at Salford. The Challenge Cup is the interesting one because you're right, the look of the draw and all the rest of it. The, it, the look of the draw doesn't matter when you win a Challenge Cup. You can win a Challenge Cup by playing all Super League all the way through, which is highly likely with the way the competition is now. But it, it, the, the dry weather will help them. And when the Challenge Cup is on and the games are on for the Challenge Cup, you expect the weather to be a, a little bit better. And they are a, a very good rugby league team when the ball is, is dry and they're able to grind out when the ball is wet. So I, I think they are a threat. I agree with you, Dan. I think they're a threat in both competitions and you wouldn't rule them out if they're in the six. You certainly wouldn't want to play them if you're in the top six in a knockout game of rugby because if you're slightly off, they'll blow you away. And if, you, if you're very good, they can still beat you, you know, not by too many. Yeah, uh, the reason I ask is kind of what you're touching on, Cookie. I, I just think they've all this. Yeah, they are entertaining. They are great to watch, but I think they've added a little bit of steeliness to them this, this time. I really do. I think the the challenge is still keeping everyone fit. There's no getting away from that. But I think you know the reality is they're all. The, there's always been a few key players missing this year, whether it be Partington, Lafay, Burgess, Acker's missed a few games. They keep knocking the wins out. They keep knocking the wins out, and uh, I'm really impressed with them. Um, moving on, where, where should we go next? Uh, Castleford, I think, because Castleford are the other team that are pretty uh, lively when it comes to recruitment at the minute. Um, oh, I mean, I, look, what, what can we say that we've not said about Castle already? They, they lost to Lee, they're, they're a mess, to be honest. The, the fortunate Wakefield are there. What I will say for Castleford is, I think they may have figured out what the problem is after all this time. Uh, they are speaking to agents in Australia again about players in the NRL. I've had a few Aussie agents say that they've, you know, they've, they've come and spoke to them about it, which is good. Uh, they're going for for young players. Uh, they're looking at the championship. Uh, you know, they've, 
Ethan Ryan's a player they've had a look at with Trouts that one they've looked at. Um, I think I think in terms of recruitment, they're doing the right things. There again has to be an element of patience. They're not going to turn things around straight away. It's going to be, you know, a couple of years before they, they start being something like. However, I do think I do think they've identified the problems and they do seem to be trying to act upon them. So um I don't know what else you can say really. I just they're just in a rebuild, aren't they? They're in a rebuild and they they're probably dare I say potentially one of the clubs that are more fortunate that licensing or grading's coming back because it, I, look, I, I they're not going to get an A license, but I think they'll get they'll be one of the the higher well they'll be a middle B and they'll be all right and they can probably experiment a bit and don't have to worry too much about on field or not as much. It's not not going to be the be all and end all. I think if there's a winner, they are probably the winner of of grading coming in right now. Well, you know, you talk about all of that, Matt. Lasty's got one hell of a job on. He's got to get a new staff member in as well. So that's a, a, a start where he's got to get the right staff member in to, to go complement his style of coaching. You're right, they're doing the right thing with agents and, and they're speaking to people in Australia again. They're bringing in some younger players. Have you seen that film Taken where he rings a guy up and he goes, good luck? And that's yes. what I would say. That's it for me. Good luck with it because it's one hell of a job, isn't it? You're right, it's a mess and it's one hell of a job. And the only thing I would say is good luck. Yeah. They're, they're in a similar spot to probably where Hulk KR were three years ago, Joe. And 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 you'll know from first hand it's uh, it, it's not all easy. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's great that you can see a plan, but there has to, I suppose if you were giving advice to Castleford supporters, there has to be a an air of realism about the the situation doesn't that you know it's not it's not going to turn overnight no it's not there seems to be quite a distance between the fans and the club as well at the moment only going off what i see on social media and stuff but they are quite annoyed at the regime at the jungle and i just look at some of the signings radders made you know last year like jacob miller hadn't been performing coming to the back end of his career anyhow he's on a three-year deal like, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's not going to... He'll be one of their biggest earners. Is the halfback. Is the prominent seven or six. So, last is going to go with him. But when you've got people on big, big contracts, Albert Vette can't even get him Featherstone's team on loan, just sat on the sidelines in his track, track, you know, earning big money for not doing much. And the... um. Matangi people like that. He's he's got a big overhaul last year, and like Cookie said, I wish him all the best because he's a nice bloke. I've known him for a few years now, um, and I do think he has got his time. I think it's a good club for him to start at. You know, he, he, he wants this job. He's been desperate for it for years, hasn't he? So he'll give it hundred and ten percent. You only have to see what he was doing in the international break, because obviously Sean Wayne's assistant going from Castleford to Wigan every other day to keep training during the break. And he's very passionate about what he does. I do think he needs a better coaching staff, though. He, Radders obviously took a lot of his coaching staff up. There was the there was the same coaches from the City of Hull Academy when I was there in 2016. And look how that went. And if, if they want to be a prominent Super League club, they need a bit more guidance in there to help Lasty because he's going to make mistakes. A bit like Willie Peters at Rovers, it's his first gig as a head coach. 
He's got Brett Delaney, Dave Hodgson and Danny Maguire underneath him who have all been uh, there and done it, got the medal and got the shirts to prove it. Whereas last, he needs that as well. They need a big clear out. They need to get through this season. Probably the biggest club that needs to recruit ahead of 2024. I'm looking forward to seeing what names spring up. But at the moment, they're fighting a losing battle because we speak about attractiveness and what we spoke about going to like satire, going to Catalan. Is Castleford an attractive place to go? Do you know what I mean? And that's for location. That's for the way the club are heading at the moment and the atmosphere in and around it. So he's got a momentous job. Can he do it? Yeah, I think he can, but it depends what do it means because are they going to be in the top six next year or the year after? For me, probably not, but he needs to blood the young players through, get rid of the dead wood and start to create his ethos because he's got a good one behind him. I know that for sure, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that. As for Lee, um, I mean, they're the, the, the coming up as top six dark horses, aren't they, if we're honest? I don't think there's any other way of putting it. They, they, they've got the wins on the board. They've won more than they've lost. Yeah, they're doing good. I, I saw Dan in a Leopards g the other day as well, so even he's getting enticed by what Bowman and the boys are doing. Dan, Dan, who was adamant they were finishing bottom. <laughs> What do I say about Lee at the start of the year? They've got to prove as the newcomers, just like every single newcomer. We've got him. We've got him. him. (laughs) They've got to prove that they're a top fight club. They've done that. Credit to them. What more can you say? I think I think the thing I think the thing that's impressive, I mean look, I I didn't think they'd go down, but but they do they do genuinely look like top six contenders. I'm not saying shoe-ins, but they're they're in they're in that mix, aren't they? And their and recruitment's it, been outstanding. You know, their overseas recruitment, the, the six or seven that they've got, they're brilliant. You know, they're they're top tier overseas recruitments in terms of soap league. People like Kyle O'Donnell, you know, brilliant player. You know, Asiata, really that's John Asiata, Lachlan Lamb. <laughs> they are, they've got the cream of the crop of some of the best play, overseas players in soap league. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. I'm, yeah, they've done really well. They've obviously come together as a group. You know, they play some good rugby. They can tough it out as well. They entertain, obviously, off the field as well as on the field, making the right noises. They've come in with no fear as well, which is, I love that. I love the fact they've come in with no fear. You know, so play, bring it on. And look what they've done. They're, you know, they're comfortably clear of relegation already. Probably have been for weeks, to be fair to them. And, and they've got the wins on the board. Yeah, credit to them. I mean, yeah, I did tip them to go down as, as the promoted club because it's always a challenge for the promoted club coming into Super League. But this is a different kettle of fish, and I'll, I'll say it now. All you can do is credit them. And yeah, they do look like dark horses, um, dark horses for the top six. You're absolutely right. They, the the thing with them is they, Derek will throw his money about, and the they will be one of the more attractive clubs to sign for now. So we talk about you know the some of the business that clubs are trying to do. Watch out for Lee. Wouldn't be a surprise to see some big names turn up there. It would Matt, not be a, a surprise. Matt, you, 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 Derek Beaumont deserves a huge amount of credit. A huge amount of credit because he, he went out on, on a limb a, a little bit with regards to change of the name to the Leopards. It got his club trending on Twitter at the top. Uh, uh, and off the field, what he's doing makes it everybody's talking within rugby league, excuse me, about Lee and about what they're doing off the field and the recruitment on the field. It's a complete polar opposite to a board of directors at Castleford Tigers, isn't it? With regards recruitment, retention, building your club, 
bringing through players, bringing in the right coach. Chris Chester deserves a huge amount of credit too. Um, what what Castleford Tigers wouldn't give for a Chris Chester? And 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 Derek getting his team spoken about, and I know him personally, and, and he's a friend of mine. But he's he's so passionate about one this year the club avoiding relegation, two pushing on into the top six, and you're right, they are genuine dark horses for the top six now. But he wants to win a grand final and a Challenge Cup. And to have owners like that in Super League that want that and, and are passionate about that, it, it is very attractive to a player because you go into a club which is on the crest of a wave. Whereas at Castleford, you're, you're trying to make they're trying to make their own waves at the minute themselves. So it's just it, I think it's a wonderful success story of the year. And I had them finishing second bottom. I didn't think I didn't I thought Wakefield would finish bottom. I think they'd finish second bottom. I, I'm not sure I saw the, the the players in the club adapt. To Super League, having been in and around that 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 place uh, at the club myself, so I, I I hold my hands up to you know well played to, to Lee Lee Leopard, well played to Derek Beaumont, well played Chris Chester, uh, Adrian Lamb, and and the group of players deserve a huge amount of credit. I'll add to that and say yeah, absolutely, well played to him. But my only concern with Lee, and we've seen it Derek before. Look, he's a passionate bloke and he brings a lot to the competition right now, and he's doing wonderful things at Lee. But what's it going to be like when it goes a little bit against the grain? You know, we've seen this before. Lee came up in 2017. You know, when obviously it had a middle eights battle. 2018, they went, it blitzed the championship, came into the middle eights again. It didn't quite work out how he hoped in getting back promoted. And he ripped loads of contracts up. A couple of those ended up at OK, I remember, and, and actually got a derby win <laughs> at the back end of it. So it's funny how things work out. But my worry is what, what happens if they get a little bit of adversity? Is he going to stick through it? Or is he, you know, is, is it going to be the typical Lee circuses of years gone before? But I mean, right now, you'd like to think that he's got his head switched on and, and they'll continue to be an asset for Super League because that's what we want. We want clubs coming into Super League and staying in Super League that are going to be assets to the competition. Well, that's the acid test, Dan, isn't it? The, the acid test is how do you react under pressure and how do you behave under pressure? Because I hope that Derek would have learned his lessons from everything and he would have get his reasons for doing what he's doing uh, with regards from a business point of view. Um, I've been listening to the podcast that he, he did with Eddie Emmons, which was really interesting. But you're right, the acid test is when it's not going right, are you going to pull that gun, gun out the holster and fire somebody out of a fire, fire a bullet at a, an Adrian Lamb or a Chris Chester and try another way? Or do you stay calm and trust that it's not not going great, but it'll turn around, and you can you can make sure that it turns around and you're better whether it's the following season or the following week. But yeah, you're right. The acid test for for Derek and for, for Lee Leopards is when they're not on the crest of this wave. How do they react? Uh, moving on to St Helens, I, I've been a big advocate. Oh, don't panic. They'll be fine. But this is uh, this is lasting a little bit longer than than I thought it would do. Now, to be honest, yeah, they're um, they're struggling, aren't they? I mean, you look at the game at the weekend. Obviously, Rovers were playing, so I didn't watch them in the south of France. Um, apart from that bull incident, that looked absolutely exuberating to watch and quite scary. But um, <laughs> that's, good, that, 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 that's good old rugby league. It's amazing. It was the best. It was the biggest talking point on Friday night. Um, but yeah, no, the they're going through that a different transition period, aren't they? But there's so many, there's so 
long you can hold your hat on, oh, Wellens is a new coach or they've been missing some players. They're gradually getting them players back. Now, when you look at the team that was out against Catalan, there's not much change to what the strongest team will be. So questions are being asked. I mean, they are only two points off the playoffs behind Lee, aren't they? So if they'll pick up a few wins, they'll be in there. But because of the emergence of Salford doing well again, Rovers are up there. There's a big gap between the top four now and they've got some ground to make up. They've got a game in hand, like Cookie mentioned against Uddersfield. But yeah, they just seem to be... I don't want to say they're coming to the end of the reign, but they might be. You know, we'll we'll judge it at the end of the season, and there's still a long, long way to go. And you can never write off the Saints. That's the old saying, isn't it? But at the moment, they're just not firing. Firing, and is that are they coming to the end of the trying to work under Wellens's tactics? And is he struggling a little bit with his coaching staff? There's so many questions you can ask. But I think from an outsider's point of view, it's nice to see different teams at the top. Obviously, I'm going to say that with my Rovers hat on, but Wellens will get there, but I think he he's struggling a little bit, isn't he, as well? And I think they're just adjusting to life, but there's still a quality outfit on the day, but that consistency, yeah, they haven't got it at the moment. Three weeks ago, they were absolutely outstanding. The Blitz were into off the pack for minute one and we're, and we're, and we're brilliant. You know, they come back after the England week off, they go to Catalans. We all know it's a tough place to go to go to Perpignan and win. They got into, you know, they had a good start. They were twelve 0 up, but then they were hit by, you know, an outstanding Catalan's performance. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? And I think also you can swing that. You can say Sam Tonkins is back for Catalan's now. Mitchell Pierce is back, and they make a huge difference to that side. So I, I still think St Elms will be up there. You can't not, you can't not say they're always up there. They have been in every single year of Super League. They've always been a playoff side, haven't they? So they, they, they're going to be there or thereabouts. They're going to pick up wins, and I think you, you only have to go back to what they did two, three weeks ago against Warrington and the manner of that victory and, you know, they were eight in a row at, a time, at the time were wire and absolutely blitzed them, hammered them off the park. So there's no doubt that Saints have got the quality, but I don't think one thing that's not helping them at the minute. You know, you read their their forums and their message boards and you listen to pundits and and you see things like Lewis Dodd getting unsettled because he's been touted by the NRL clubs and, you know, for a young kid that's going to play on your mind, it then affects your form and, and how you approach games and you've got you know, you've got things obviously going on in your head. And I don't think that helps. Jack Wellsby's the same, obviously. He's been touted to go over there as well. They've got players that are coming to the end of their cycles, they've got some big recruitment decisions to make in Mattel Tier and Curtis Surinam for one. So yeah, they're going through a little bit of a cycle at the minute, aren't they under Paul Wellens? But there's no doubt in my mind that they're still what will be up there. There's still a you know, you don't win four Super League titles in a row for nothing, do you? So, but you are right. It is nice to actually be looking at the table and thinking, oh, yeah, might have an interesting grand final this year. It might not just be St. Owens v Wigan or St. Owens v Leeds or whatever. It might actually be something different, which, again, for the for the competition Super League as a whole, has to be seen as a good thing. Daryl Clark heading to Saints Cookie. Thoughts on that? Yeah, listen, you can understand it. The thing, the thing with that for me, Matt, and, and, and that bit of recruitment is, you know, the, the Lussick signing then becomes irrelevant to me. You know, you signed a player who, who was very good and went to a grand final with Salford to play an understudy to, to James Roby, to then bring him through, to then sign Darrell Clark. Um, and, but I agree with Dan completely. You know, three weeks ago when the Blitz Warrington, Saints are back, Saints are back. And then, uh, and I don't think, uh, I know that it may, may sound like a really stupid statement, but the World Club Challenge win could have damaged them in much more than just a lulling performance after the grand after that game, where they've lost a few because the the unsettleness the unsettling of Dodd and Wellesby that can spread through the group. Um, you know, so then all of a sudden you're losing two of your best players 
or you may be losing two of your best players. And, and there'll be groups and cliques of, of players within that who, who they're friends with a little bit more than others. And then there are overseas signings that could be going on. It's a really difficult time to manage that playing roster because there's so many good players that can go back abroad or, or go back home um, to the NRL. So it's a really tough one for, for Paul Wellens. First job, you know, he's got a one hell of a, a playing squad, but one hell of a playing squad that are thinking about going to the NRL. And then it's spreading like wildfire through the group. And what one thing I would say is, I, I gen, they will make the six, and the Warrington performance should put everybody on notice. The Catalan performance can happen. I mean, it, there's lots of teams will go there and lose by forty. Um, so it's it's a really interesting one. The the, the the recruitment and retention is going to be really interesting at that club, as interesting as it will be for for Castleford and and what they bring in. Um, and what they're keeping and how they manage their squad. The Saints' retention and recruitment is going to be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I don't think they'll do much. I, th- I think um, Thurman will stay. Uh, Wingfield will stay. Metality is maybe the one. Metality is maybe the one. And they'll have a decision to make on T. Ritson as well. You know, do they keep him or do they look elsewhere um, for another winger? I, but I think it'll be relatively low-key again. I don't, I don't think it can be any more than that, because most players are under contract. But nevertheless, still some important signings to make. Uh, the only two clubs... Oh, well, no, we haven't spoke about Catalan yet. Um, I, I sort of run out of superlatives for Catalan. I just I just think the way that, you know, I think they had seven French lads in again. Um, to beat Saints, to play the way they did. I just I just think the, the signs are so positive for them at the minute. Um I'm still not convinced exactly how good they are. As in, are they grand final challenge cup material? I'm not. I, I'm not fully convinced. But I do think, as a person who was expecting this to be a bit of a transitional year, I think if it is a transitional year, it's been a damn good one. And I think, I think not only are they competing now, I think they're setting themselves up for a really good uh, future. What what I do think is is their recruitment more than probably anyone is fascinating in that, you know, we know Tompkins is retiring. Does Pierce stay? McAlorum could potentially retire as well alongside his mate Tompkins. Um, so you've not only got some uh, key players to replace in very in key positions as well. Uh, they do seem to like Morgan Rouge, um, but then you've still got a hooker to find a, a fullback or a half, depending on where you see Morgan playing. Um, I think there's there's all sorts going on, Cal. I think it's a really exciting time, but um, not an easy time as well. I liked what Steve McNamara said after the game, actually, and saying the pride in French rugby league, you know, a little bit restored after what happened in the England game, because that would have hurt the whole, you know, Catalan's club, obviously, to lose in the championship as well, and, and all the, you know, the French clubs in their elite championship. So, to, to actually get one of the Super League champions and beat them a week after what happened in Warrington, you know, with, with England and France, I think is a big scout for them. And, you know, we talk about all the time, Matt, the French talent coming through. And it's it took a lot of years to, to actually get to this stage where they're bringing through genuinely Super League quality players, but they're doing it in abundance now. I think the two you just mentioned there, Arthur Morgan, Cizarug, they're, they're the ones that are pinning their hopes on now, aren't they? Especially as a six and seven duo. So they've got to find the right players to complement that. They've got some fantastic young forwards, Obviously, some experienced forwards as well. I say it every time I come on here, but I really like um, Laguerre, the centre. I know he played on Joel Wedge at Toulouse this week, but he's a young kid. He's coming through. He's big. He's got all the attributes. So, you know, they, they, 
this is what they've been doing for years. They've been making sure they've got their pathways and their development systems right to bring full this calibre of player. And they're finally doing it now. And I just hope that it can also ensure that, you know, it can ensure that Catalans are a sole playing force, but also the French team, because they've got to get better, haven't they? I mean, it was an absolute farce watching that doubleheader two weeks ago. And to be honest, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. You know, you're supposed to enjoy international rugby league as the pinnacle of the sport. And it, and it wasn't that. It was just a complete up farce, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, it'd be nice to obviously see Catalans stay as a force within the game, and I think they will do that. They are in a little bit of a transitional period, but they're still picking up wins. You know, the seven out of eleven. They had an incredible start to the season. Obviously, went went to Wigan and turned them over as well. They've done it tough with injury. You know, they've had to play some makeshift combinations and span. You know, combos. So yeah, I think they deserve a lot of credit for where they are. Still in the playoff picture, they're probably going to be tipped now to win even more games and get into that top four. So they're definitely a force this year. But how far they can go, you know, it's probably up to interpretation. Uh, the only go on, Joe. No, it was just a quick one. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm really liking a few of them. They're young French lads. I like Mikel Goudamond at prop, and they've got some big calls to make, but again, they've got that attractiveness. They can get some big names over, can't they, from the NRL? So I think Tomkins, Mickey Matt, Pierce, I do think they'll all move on, and but they've always got that incentive to you know come over to the south of france look at satire they've already nailed him down you know nearly as well so they're already recruiting and i think they'll go from strength to strength and we've spoke about the french game and what it needs to be improving domestically it's going really well they just need to get it together internationally the only two clubs we've not spoken about are the top and bottom uh warrington first not not a convincing win against wakefield but ultimately got the job done um I mean, uh, an ever so slight wobble. They lost two before, hadn't they? And then they weren't convincing against Warren. And what what have you made of them, Cookie? Recently, are you having? Has your opinion changed on them at all? Well, for me, when they lost at Wigan and lost at St. Helens, it's a real. I think that may well end up doing them more good than harm, because two competition points lost at Wigan and uh, and at St. Helens, when you started the season so well. Ain't going to make a blind bit of difference to, to them not finishing in the six, whereas it has done the previous year. I, I think Daryl Powell's done a magnificent job under so much pressure 12 months ago. Um, and even at the beginning of this season, if he's not won a game, Matt, in six, he was out. He was gone from there. He's really turned his squad around in terms of how he wants them to, to be nuggety and tough and uh, and his recruitment of, of players of the ilk of, of Vaughan and and players like that. So it, it, I, they're a very, very big threat in the competition for me. I've tipped them to win the grand final. Um, I felt that the, the, the turnaround of the squad was 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 really healthy. He'd moved on some players that um, were part of the furniture at the club that didn't see eye to eye with and didn't want to play in his style of football or at his club for him. So, yeah, I just think they've been brilliant. The, the interesting one with if Daryl Clark goes is who comes in there? If Mickey Mack retires, Cruz Leeming could be a real shout for, for recruitment for any of them teams. Um, Joey Lussick, if if the Daryl Clark does go to, to St. Helens, as as maybe people are thinking, then Lussick may decide to move on. He may go to Catalan. Who, who, I think he'd be a great fit in the Mickey Mack mould. So, yeah, uh, Warrington have really impressed. Um, and, and I think the, the two losses that they have had may well do them more, more good than harm in the long run. Uh, I agree on Lehman, by the way. Um, as for Wakefield, uh, why we ended on Wakefield, poor Wakefield. Uh, 
You should try and end on something positive. Look, I mean, in, in one sense, they, they were competitive against the league leaders. So, you know, that's that's an inevitable improvement. It's got 18 points. Uh, again, massive improvement. Um, but it's just a dire situation, isn't it? You know, there's no, there's no point sugarcoating it. Like, where do they go? The, the consolation for them, of course, is they, they're only four points behind Cass. So, you know, it's, if they can, say, get a win against Full FC, Full FC decide to have one of those collapses, they, they're back in it, aren't they? However, it's just it's just, it's just hard because your fans aren't happy. You know, Mark Applegaff came out and said, you know, they'd be foolish not to be planning recruitment-wise for Super League and Championship and the fans didn't like that. But, what you know, it's the situation they're in. What, what else are they supposed to do? Um and then I've, I've seen, I've just seen in the last hour or so as we're recording, um, Mark Applegoss said he's still not sure if Luke Gale will play this week, uh, which everyone's got the back up about. Uh, but he cited, you know, Morgan Smith played well. So it's, there's all sorts going on there. It's, it's tricky. I just, what what can you say? What can you say that we've not already said? It's just an awful situation, isn't it? It's a massive game from this week, Dan. I know they're playing your team, but it's an enormous game for them because while FC have won the last two, given what FC are known they are capable of becoming, being, they'll be looking at this and thinking, we've got a chance of winning this game. That's just the reality of it. Of course it is. It's insane. What about our 10th in sub point? You know, yeah, they've got four wins, but they had a seven-game losing streak. They've got the worst defensive record in the competition. The league points are an absolute rapid rate. They're at home. You know, the pitch is looking good from the shots that the socials have put out this week. They've got to be looking at this. Yeah, Luke Gale's arrival has obviously given him a bit of buzz in training. I think Applegaff did say that as well. Even though I didn't play last week, just being around the group has, was a big boost to him. Obviously, he's in contention. I think that's a bit of man games. Of course, he's got to play. That's why they've signed him. So, he's going to make his debut against the Lessie. And it's written in the stars, isn't it? <laughs> Captain of the club last year, you know, left released after you know 20 games that were largely underwhelming, if I'm being honest. He's going to come back play against Celeste and lead them to a win, isn't he? So, yeah, it's written in the stars. But no, you're right. Wakefield have got to look at this and target as a, as a must-win fair because of what Hull FC can be. That's no disrespect to either club. That's just the reality of the situation right now. And if Wakefield want to stay in sole play, you know, they need to start winning games, don't they? So they need to pick, target the ones that they think they can win. And Hull FC will definitely be one of those. And as I say, it, I think it's got the makings to be actually a decent game. I think, as I said before, it's really underwhelming for a neutral to put Sky on and say it's Wakefield v Hull, but you should see two desperate sides. Wakefield should be absolutely hell-bent on getting a first win, whereas Hull need to change perceptions. Two wins ain't going to do that. Arguably, this week for Hull is going to change more perceptions if they go there and do a professional job than it will do beating Huddersfield and Wiggins. So, yeah, I, I think it could be actually a good game. And, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens of Wakey and how they respond, because... They've got some good players and, and they do have a knack of, of winning when you least expect it. I mean, I said they were dead and buried when I first got this gig last year. And then they were, I think they won about six out of seven after that. And I was like, oh, right, okay. So I'm a bit apprehensive to tip against them all the time. And that's why that's why I optimistically thought they would stay up this year. But the only way is up for them, isn't it? It can't get any worse. And yeah, they'll have a, a passionate crowd. Obviously, the ones that are still turning up every week are Wakefield Trinity through and through. And, and good on them, and they'll get behind the side on Thursday, and they'll try and make it as hostile and as intimidating as they can for us. And you know, if they do that and they get a good start, you just you just never know, do you? No, you don't. Now, the interesting one for me, Matt, with Wakefield and what you've just said is it, 
the, the clip it's hanging on fit for Warrington for, for Wigan is, is huge, and I think that that may well be a deal that does happen. So the number of young players that um, will will move on should they be relegated, and no, I'll 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 go out on a limb. They will be relegated, and they will move on, and they are planning for championship. If you're a player in that organisation now, and the coach comes out and says, "Would be stupid not to be planning for championship rugby," what would you try to be do? I'd be straight on the phone with the agent saying, please, I want to stay in Super League. I need a deal in Super League. I want to stay a full-time player and I want out of this organisation because there's no ambition there to, to stay in Super League. And it's as simple as that. It's a really sad situation. Yes, it is. But uh, it, it's a, it's the stark contrast to a Lee, a Lee Leopards and Derek Beaumont and the patching of and spending all his money and the full salary cap. I want them teams in Super League. I want teams that are going to compete in Super League. If they win a game, it'll be a miracle. Hull FC will have to revert back to, to, to old type uh, uh, and capitulate to be beaten on, on, on the week, on Thursday night, in my opinion. I just don't think Wakefield have got the, the quality within the organisation to win consistently in Super League or even play consistently in Super League. And it's all well and good you're saying, Oh, they had a real dig at the league leaders. It happens like that. You have a real dig at the league leaders, and then you play against LFC, who you target as a win, and LFC put 40 on you. And then all of a sudden, where do you go from there? Because the organisation, if you think Castleford are in a mess, and look at Wakefield, yes, they've got some stuff going on off the field with the building of new stands, uh, and I genuinely believe all, all the Wakefield folk want is a team that tries hard and competes on the field and wins some games. And in Super League, they're not going to win games. What a cheery note to end on. Sorry, Wave. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. I can't disagree with you. Okay, it's, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell at the minute. Right, we'll wrap up there. Uh, big thanks, guys. We've been we've been uh, on this forever. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listened to the to the bitter end as well. Hopefully, giving you some insights there. Um, Joe, where are you at this week? Of K, I got Warrington, isn't it? Warrington, top of the table clash. Big game. Cookie, you'll be radio in. I'm at, I'm, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at Wakefield Thursday with um, uh, with radio, and um, I, I just I wish that sky had changed Friday night's fixtures to Warrington Hockey Arts. It's a game of the weekend for me. Um, two really good teams in really good form, and I think it'll be a fascinating one. So if you can get over to Warrington and, and watch it for any red and white fans, I'd, I'd certainly be over there. Yeah, I'll be, uh, Daniel obviously be at Hull, I'll be at Wigan Leeds and uh, I've got a Halifax Whitehaven as well. So That's the game of the weekend, end on that. The game of the weekend, don't ever, don't ever forget it. Right, uh, thanks to all of you, thank you to everyone who's listened, enjoy your weekend wherever you may be and as ever, enjoy your rugby league. Take care everyone.